Uh, today, Offices of Christ. Next week, Work of the Holy Spirit, and the Work of the Holy Spirit the following week. Introduction. There were three major distinct offices. This is last week, two weeks ago. Among the people of Israel, there was the prophet that spoke God's words, the priest that offered sacrifices, prayers, and praises, and uh, represented the people to God, and the king ruled over the people as God's representative. Those were the three offices. And now we, we talked about how Christ fulfilled those offices. And that was last week, and that's on the front page of your outline. Christ was the prophet, but more than a prophet. He spoke God's very words on his own authority. Then he was a priest in that he represented people to God, but he himself was the sacrifice rather than offering a sacrifice. And he's also the one who prays uh, before God the Father on our behalf and brings us into God's presence. And then he's the king, but his kingdom is not of this world right now. Um, and so he has given, been given by the Father all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's using it to build his church. So Christ is prophet, priest, and king. He fulfills those three Old Testament offices. We talked about what Christ did for us. But now there's another whole aspect of biblical teaching, and that is what Christ did, God wants us to imitate. So Christ did many things as an example or a pattern that we would follow in. And that is true in these three offices. So Christ was prophet, priest, and king, but he allows us in an imitative way, not in the full way that he is, but as imitators, to be prophet, priest, and king as well. So, um, okay, Christ is king. We talked about that. He did have a kingdom. I'll skip over that, skip over that, skip over that. Okay. Our role as prophets, priests, and kings. If we look back at the situation of Adam before the fall and then forward to our future status with Christ in heaven, we'll see that the roles of prophet, priest, and king had parallels in the experience that God originally intended for man and he will be fulfilled in our lives in heaven. So, so it's not just that we're to imitate Christ, but I'm going to say you go right back to Genesis and you see with Adam and Eve that what Christ fulfilled was already hinted at in the lives of Adam and Eve. So prior to the fall, there was a role as prophet that Adam had, um, and I, I should have put up there that Eve as well had, in that they both uh, had true knowledge of God and they always spoke truthfully about God and his creation. So a prophet is one who speaks for God and speaks truth. And, and Adam was doing that whenever he was talking, naming the animals, for instance, speaking truth. Or saying, this at last is bone of my bone. She shall be called woman. She was taken out of man. He's speaking truth. So there was a prophetic role. Then a priestly role. Adam was a priest in that he was able to offer it freely and openly to offer prayer and praise to God. There was no need of a sacrifice to pay for sins because they hadn't sinned yet. But Adam and Eve's work would have been offered to God in gratitude and thanksgiving. So as they subdued the earth, as they cared for the garden, as they subdued the animals and taught them to be useful, uh, for human beings. That would have been a, priest, uh, a, um, a priestly work as they said, Lord, I'm doing this to you. I'm offering this gardening, this farming, this, subdu this inventing of things from the materials of the earth. I'm offering this priestly activity to you as an offering that I, that I ask you to accept. And they would have worshipped God. So there was a priestly activity they had. Then kings... Adam and Eve were also kings or king and queen in the sense of having been given dominion and rule over creation. God said to them, fill the earth 
and subdue it and have dominion over the, uh, and then it goes on, lists all the uh, beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and over everything. So they're supposed to rule over it, and that, that means just not to be tyrants and misuse it, but to make it useful and develop its beauty and usefulness and practicality. So prophet, priest, and king for Adam and Eve. Hinted at, but they didn't do well. They failed. So uh, after the fall, fallen human beings have believed false information about God and spoken falsely about him to others. What kind of prophet is that? Speaks lies. That's a false prophet. Or a priest. Because they were sinful, they no longer had priestly access to God. They couldn't come into his presence. They couldn't freely talk to him and think that he would accept them and hear them. They couldn't freely worship him because they were cut off by sin. And then king, instead of ruling over the creation as kings, fallen human beings were subject to the harshness of the creation and tyrannized by flood and drought and unproductive land as well as by tyrannical and, and, uh, and uh, tyrannical human rulers. That is when God said to Adam, Accursed is the ground because of you. Thorns and thistles it will bring forth to you. In the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the dust. So that the, instead of just bearing crops abundantly to be, ble- to be a blessing to Adam and Eve, they get all these choya and sawaros and everything that don't, you can't eat. They're just thorns and thistles, bougainvillea. They're pretty, I guess, but, they, but the thorns, you know, they're not too good. So, um, so, there, was, uh, so there were weeds and, and hurricanes and tornadoes. The, the, so human beings, instead of ruling over creation, we're, we're subject to its... Um, to its opposition in many ways. There's a partial recovery of prophet, priest, and king among the people of the Old Testament. Um, there were three offices, prophet, priest, and king, and some godly men occupied these offices, and women as prophets too, Miriam, Huldah, Deborah, uh, but uh, only men were kings, um, and uh, uh, there were queens, but only the men were kings with the ultimate authority, and then only men, uh, for reasons that God decided, were priests in the Old Testament, but women prophets. Yet there were many false prophets and dishonest priests and ungodly kings. And the list of the kings of Israel, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father did. And he, and he lived so and so years, and he was buried, and he died. So that's not a happy history. And uh, um, the original purity and holiness with which God uh, intended Adam and Eve to fulfill those offices, that was never fulfilled. Okay, so now Christ came, and he became the perfect prophet. All his words are truthful. What he says about God has absolute authority. He's, he's, he's perfect in his prophetic role, a priestly role. He's the perfect high priest. He offered the supreme sacrifice to bring people near to God. And the kingly role, Jesus is the true and perfect king of the universe. He'll reign forever with a scepter of righteousness over the new heavens and new earth. So he fulfilled that. Now, how does that apply to us as believers in the New Testament? Today, we can imitate Christ in each of these roles. First, as prophet. Now, what I want to do here is say, think about things that we ordinarily do in our lives, that we do uh, as Christians, and I want you to think that really they're fulfilling a prophet, priest, or king role in a way we don't know or don't realize sometimes. We have a prophetic role as we proclaim the gospel to the world and thereby bring God's saving word to people. See, it's, it's not being a prophet in the sense of giving new words to the Bible, but it's being a prophet in the, sense, in, the, in the lesser sense of speaking the truth. We speak what it says in the Bible, we're speaking God's truth 
to the world. Or we speak truthfully about God to believers and unbelievers. There's a prophetic function. In fact, I just thought this last night. Where else in the whole world are people going to hear the truth about God or hear truth from God unless it's from us? Because because we have the words of God. And so we have the source of truth about God. Otherwise, people are in confusion and darkness without this. They have a little bit of understanding because of common grace, because of observation of the world and, and you know what they can see in nature. But they confuse it all and they mistake it and, uh, and they go awry. But from us, as we, I mean, as you walk out that door or you say hi to your neighbor this afternoon or you go back to work or see friends in the neighborhood tomorrow, when you speak truthfully, that's, that's a prophetic role in imitation of Christ. And there's a great dignity and honor to that. Is that am I making sense here? Isn't that, isn't that neat? Is that, it's good. It's great. This is God's words. What we say is true. Okay. Then, as prophets, as priests, the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. That's uh, 1 Peter 2.9. You are a royal priesthood. And uh, we are invited to be built into a spiritual temple and to be a holy priesthood as well as to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2.5. We don't uh, go out in the courtyard here at the information booth and kill a, a, a goat or a lamb or a bull and put a fire on it and burn it up as a sacrifice. We don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. But the New Testament says we offer spiritual sacrifices. What are those? It'll be just in a moment. We'll get to that. What are those sacrifices if they're not animals? And then, as priests, it's remarkable. We went through this uh, when we talked about Christ as high priest. We are able to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus, says Hebrews 10.19 and Hebrews 10.22. We draw near with confidence. So, in the spiritual sense, when we pray, we worship, we're not distant from God. We're able to enter right into his presence. We can't see it with our physical eyes, but the Bible says it's genuinely, literally, spiritually true. Okay, then, how do we offer sacrifice? And I was thinking of this last service, <clears throat> when this wonderful um, music in the sanctuary, and everybody's singing, um, How Great Thou Art, How Great Thou Art, or just wonderful hymns of praise. Those are being offered up as sacrifices to God, and we're saying, God, please accept this as something that we are giving up to you. We're offering us, we are then like we're priests in the Old Testament, but here we're in the New Testament, we're offering up praise as a sacrifice. So Hebrews 13, 15, we are able to offer, continually to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. More than, moreover, in addition to that, our good works are sacrifices pleasing to God. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Susan Bartolini. You talked to us about the coming here to make Christmas packages to do good, to care for children who don't have those things. I think everybody who comes on that day to do that should think, I'm offering up a sacrifice to God that he is pleased with. I'm doing this for the Lord. Lord, here. I'm, doing the, I'm putting these things because I'm giving it to you. You see, it says... Such do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Okay? You put a check in the offering or money in the offering. Lord, this is a sacrifice. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing something else I could do with this money because I'm giving it to you. It's a sacrifice. Lord, will you take this? Will you accept this? And God delights in those things. It brings joy to his heart when we worship him in our song, when we worship him in prayer, when we put together packages for kids to help them, or when we um, send cards to people in service, when we just help our neighbor. It's a sacrifice of good works, to do good and share what we have, and it's pleasing to God. That neat? So it, it's not saying do anything different, but it's saying what you're already doing, think of it as prophetic, speaking God's truth, as priestly, and it's a sacrifice. Then, Romans 12:1, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Now I started out in it. Just a second. Get it right. Romans 12:1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Good thing. The sacrifices in the Old Testament weren't living after they were offered. <laughs> the animals died. <laughs> okay? Um, uh, but, but, but Paul says, ah, there's a different thing. You don't have to offer up yourselves as dead sacrifices, as living sacrifices. So, you, so we just get up in the morning and say, Lord, here I am. This is my body. This is all my strength, all my energy, all my ability. I offer it to you. I'm yours. And you do it day after day because it's a living sacrifice. And you go on, and all that you do then can be seen as a, sacrifice, a priestly sacrifice. Isn't that good? Sacrifice to God. And see, in the Old Testament, God smelled the aroma of the sacrifice when it was burning up. The meat was burning on the altar and drifting up to him, and he smelled it, and he's pleased because he knew it represented people giving up some of their livelihood, some of what they could have eaten for themselves, some of what they could have used in their farm. But they gave it up to God, and they said, Lord, will you take this? And he smelled it, and he knew that there was a sacrifice of heart behind it, and he was pleased. So with all of what we do, it's a sacrifice, and God is pleased, and he looks with us on, favor, on us with favor. So work is a sacrifice. And then as kings. We share in part now in the kingly reign of Christ, since we have been raised with him, and he's raised us up with him, made us sit with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. <clears throat> I think that means to some degree we have authority. Authority, well, authority to proclaim the gospel and let people into the kingdom. Authority for church discipline within the church. Authority, um, authority over demonic forces that would attack us, and, and we can rebuke them and, and uh, pray against them. So uh, we share to some degree in Christ's authority over evil, evil spiritual forces. He put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6.10, and having done all that you are to stand. In James 4.7, 1 Peter 5.9, resist him firm in your faith, or resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 John 4.4, 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We have authority over evil spirits because the Holy Spirit within us has greater power. And then God has now committed to us authority over various areas in his world or in the church, giving to some authority over much and to others authority over little. But there is authority, there is responsibility over our families, over our houses. I think getting an emergency preparedness kit is sort of, 
being faithful. And I, as a husband, thought it was it was part of my responsibility. Now I see some other stuff on Don's list that we didn't do that I've, I've got to go back and take care of. And so uh, that's kind of okay. I've got I've got leadership and authority over, over there, and and should be responsible or over children. And then we've give, been given stewardship responsibility. Some of them, some in uh, working in the nursery and working in the um, uh, in the ushering and uh, working in all sorts in the youth ministry or whatever kinds of things you work in, God gives you a stewardship and entrusts you. You say, will you take care of this, this Bible study, this neighborhood group, this small group, whatever. And you say, yes, I'll do that. There's an authority. And we so, so in, in a little tiny way, we imitate the authority that God has given us as kings. Now, how does the kingdom of God grow? It grows. Where's the kingdom of God? It's, it's, it's not in any certain country on the earth, but it's in little places where God is worshipped and his will is obeyed. So the kingdom of God is right here in this building. See, here's a little look of the look at the kingdom of God. People caring for each other, speaking the truth, doing God's will. And then you go home. There's a little pocket of the kingdom of God in your apartment or in your house that's serving the Lord. And then you go to work. And at least at your desk, or in your car if you're driving around, the kingdom of God's there. See, there's God's rule and following his principles and honoring him. But then you share the gospel with somebody else, and the kingdom of God advances to the person in the next desk. Or even there's some restraining power <clears throat> so that people don't do as much evil when Christians are there. Did I tell you, you know, we moved out of our neighborhood in Illinois after, four, after we'd been in one neighborhood four years, and at the going away party, people were joking, saying to our next door neighbor, John, since the Grudems live next door to you, we haven't heard you swear a blue streak at your lawnmower. Four years. <laughs> we had no idea. But there's a little, do you know that in your own lives? That the kingdom of God just kind of spilling over and advancing. And actually, I'm going to be talking about that in that class on government. I think it's right for Christians to seek to influence their workplace, but also as we have a, a calling and ability to influence government to, to be faithful to the principles of God's word, the, the, where the moral standards are clear and can be followed. And that's kind of advancing the kingdom of God. And when the Lord returns, those who have been faithful over little will be given authority over much. Matthew 25, 21, his master said, You've been well done, good and faithful servant. <clears throat> You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So whatever stewardship or opportunity God has given you, take it. Be, Have a prophetic role. Have a priestly role to offer service to God. Have a kingly role to influence the kingdom of God, for, uh, to, to advance the, the, the reign of God in people's hearts and lives in little ways. When Christ returns, oh, then sin will be gone. We'll be true prophets because our knowledge will be perfect and we won't speak falsehood. And uh, we'll speak only truth about God and his word. And as priests, we'll be priests forever because we'll eternally worship and offer praise to God as we behold his face. And it's not only that, I think we'll have uh, thousands of diverse kinds of activities, yet in using the resources of the earth uh, to bring glory to God and to develop them for, for, for his good purposes as we worship him. So <clears throat> the throne of God will be in, and of the Lamb will be in the heavenly city. His servants will worship him. And we'll be priests forever. We'll offer ourselves and all that we do as sacrifices to our most worthy king. 
and as kings. It's interesting that Jesus will share with us the rule that God gives him over the universe. <clears throat> Revelation 22, 5. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It doesn't seem, say that we'll be slaves in heaven forever and ever. It says we'll be reigning forever and ever, having been given areas of responsibility to fulfill in obedience to God. Uh, we'll judge angels. And Paul says the saints will judge the world. And as conquerors, we will reign with Jesus. Revelation 3.21, the one who conquers, I will grant him, amazing verse, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. I think that means to share in some measure in his rule and use the authority that God gives us for his glory. So prophets, priests, and kings fulfilled a little bit in us now, increasingly, I hope, and then more fully when Christ returns. Ah, well, we're about at the end. I can just take time for like one or two comments. Is this, is this fun? Just enjoy it? Yeah, yeah Pammy. I'm sure you've heard this before. They say that the problem with living sacrifices is they get up and get off the altar. Uh -huh. And uh, I have thought about that a lot in that, you know, we're moving yeah, and, and all. Yeah. But And so it really does need to be a daily laying yeah. ourselves down um, uh, for sacrifice. Good. Thanks, Pammy. Anything else? Anybody else here? <laughs>